Welcome to Cross the World with Kelly Miller, where we take you behind the curtain to see what it's like for some of the most impoverished children and families on the face of the planet, and how we can help transform their lives from deepest need to thriving joy. I'm your host, Kelly Miller, the president and CEO of Cross International. And I'm Chris McIntyre, co-host of Cross the World. And this is episode 13, and this is a special edition. <laughs> you, you ever notice, Kelly, on uh, radio TV when they announce, and this is a special edition, or what, you know, whatever program it yeah, is. Because all the other ones aren't. <laughs> That's exactly right, because, you know, <laughs> every episode is a special edition, so basically no episode is a special edition. You know what? We don't do that here across the world, because this is truly special, because, you know, really, because what we're going to talk about today is uh, we're going to talk about the power of faith, which, you know, begs the question, does faith really make a difference in what we do as an organization? Sure. Right. You know, I think that's really important. That's at the crux of what we do. Very central, isn't it? It, I mean, it really it, is. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, you know, I love this topic, and, and I hope our listeners uh, want to dive in with us on this. But to your point, the question is, you know, you ha- we have all this wonderful ministry work going on in really yeah, hard exactly. places around the world, right? Mm-hmm. And we as an organization, and many others, come from a Christian faith perspective. Right. That drives right. us, that motivates us for a whole lot of reasons. But does that matter? Right. Does that matter? Right. <laughs> And that's the core of what we're talking about today. Exactly. Yeah. I think for those that are listening, uh, I hope at the at the end of this, or Chris and I both hope at the end of this, this word hope is one that that we would love for you to to have another shade or another another lens on your mental vision on that word hope as we talk about this today, because hope is what is instilled. You know, when we work with with so many of the world's most impoverished children and families and communities from a from a faith of a Christian driven perspective with our local partners around the globe, you know, these these wonderful, wonderful people who who are solid believers in Jesus and, and wanting to live his love to the communities around them. We we walk the journey with them. What's that doing? It's instilling hope in people's lives. And it's not just hope for a physical today, but it's hope for a truth and a reality of a spiritual today and eternity tomorrow. And that's what this ministry work gets a chance to do together. So important. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. You know, the, the, one of those, those uh, big questions, uh, you know, we all have friends who may not be followers of Jesus, right? And we have these conversations about, well, why do you do this stuff as Christians? You know, go to these, these poor places and, and, you know, you got to ram, you know, faith down their throat. And I go, well, let's step back and take a look at that. I said, I'm guessing that perhaps you've seen some movies or you've seen some news uh, segments or you've read X, Y, and Z, and it's greatest impression that Christian organizations, uh, whether based in the Western world, in the U.S. or Europe, whatever, are, are doing their thing in the developing world and, and shoving our faith down people's throats with the guise of, here's some food, now we really we just want to preach the gospel to you, right? Right. Well, there's always this this uh, this assumption that it's a quid pro quo. Right. That's exactly right, it. Right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. And and I love those conversations, <laughs> yeah. you know, really, you know, because there, there's a truth in that perspective, right? Because mm-hmm. it, the truth is that it's the question that brings up, and and that's a very honest question, mm-hmm. right? But then let's peel it back even further, and and on the whole, um, what does it look like for for Christians to be working in developing countries? And doesn't doesn't mean Westerners, 
might, might not, right? But, you know, right. God's the God of this world, this, this <laughs> entire physical globe, right? He's around this world, uh, and his church is alive in so many places around this globe. We just get the privilege to walk the journey with Christians in those cultures and help help them do what God's called them to do in, 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 in deeper and wider ways. And let, let me preface this by saying, look, there are tons of fabulous organizations like ours that are not Christian-based mm-hmm. and people that are committed and wonderful and, and uh, right-hearted right, in the work that they do. And they have tremendous impact on literally millions of lives of people around the world, right? So this is not in any way, shape, or form a, um, a negative light on any of work that doesn't come from a Christian base, you know, in, in the realm of international development work that we do. That's not the intent of this, these comments that we're making today. There's definitely tremendous value in the work that they do. My gosh, lives are saved, you know, and people get to express their passions through that. So I don't want to, I don't, I wouldn't want to minimize that or negate, negate that in any way, shape or form with, with our comments here. That's not what this is intended for. What this is to talk, is to talk about, just like in your community here in the United States of America, my community here in, in, in the United States of America, we would love to see the church, capital C, flourish. We'd love to see our churches, smaller C, wherever we attend, flourish and, and reach into people's lives in ways that are, that's transformative to that, that person's life, a knowledge of who Jesus is, a decision to follow him. And a life of abundance and hope doesn't mean material abundance necessarily, but abundance of, of joy and relationship and a confidence that they have eternity with Christ. Right? That, that layer right, is what uh, sets apart Christian organizations working in developing countries. Okay? And, and that's, that's, again, that sense of, of hope that's being instilled. Another question that we as Christians need to think about in, in this ministry work is, what if, as a Christian and a Christian organization, we're working in, in places that there may not be a lot of Christian presence, and we, uh, with the local church, are, are working for years in these locations? What if one person never, ever comes to Christ? Have we failed? That's a really good question. Right. Yeah. And I would, I would advocate and I would scream. <laughs> no, we haven't failed. If we're following uh, God's leading to places and to, to work alongside the local Christian community there or into places where there's no Christian presence, right? It's, you know, Mother Teresa's saying, right? That's God right. hasn't called us to be successful. He, he's called us to be what? Faithful. That's right. right? We're going to let God do his work. Right? Yeah. We just need to pull the oars that he's, he's, he's called us to pull and get in and do the ministry work that he's called us to do. And in our hope, of course, is that many people, if they don't have a, a knowledge and an eternity-saving relationship with Jesus, of course, just like my next-door neighbor or my own family, I would love for people to make that decision, right? But does that stop us? Does it stop me from doing this work if they don't? No. And it shouldn't. It shouldn't. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I get really frustrated with people in the Christian community that says, if you can't preach the gospel in this work, it's, it's, it's not worth of doing. And it's like, well, no, that's, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't agree with you in that. If, if I'm in a situation where we've got people in a starvation situation, I've been in many of these, 
where at the time it doesn't allow itself to, to necessarily preach the gospel. You're now you're living the gospel in those situations, and there may not ever be a time that you're that you are able to. Is that okay? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. If you're following God's leading, He's called you to do this work. Great, and I don't mean that me. I'm talking about the church in general, right? That's doing this work. So let's let's if we can. And some of our listeners may or may not agree with that. And if you don't agree with that, go, okay, that's fine. I would ask you to hang in here with us with, in this conversation. We don't have to agree with that. You're just, you're just hearing our perspectives uh, in terms of, of those of us that are in the midst of this type of ministry work. But let's look at what does God's Word have to say about engaging with the poor. And, and uh, for followers of Christ, if you spent time in God's Word, you know it's all over, right? Over 2,000 verses, right, that talk about engaging with the poor. Most of them are uh, encouraging you and me as followers of Christ and anybody who, who follows Christ to be engaged, right? It's not just think about the poor. It's to be engaged in their lives, and it's an opportunity to live Jesus to people, right? And, and, you know, one of the main verses that we live by here and, and we, we quote quite often in these podcasts is 1 John 3.17. It says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Love that verse, right? If God is what? Love, right? And we're called to be followers of Jesus, who is God? and reflect the nature of Jesus, the nature of God to people around us. We've got to be doing what? Showing love. And that's this one verse, there's many verses, but this one just screams at us to say, look, you, you got to get involved. And it's not subtle. It's not subtle. Is it? yeah, <laughs> it's it's, not, it's it, in your it's face. It's like, right. yeah, it's, yeah, it's like right there. So then to the, the topic here, we ask the question, does engaged faith matter when it comes to uh, the ministry work that we do in impoverished communities around the globe. And again, I would put an exclamation point behind this screaming word of yes. Yes, it does. And it's not just our opinion or my opinion. It's very measurable. And it has been measured. You know, uh, the most obvious reason, of course, is you know, we would love, as we mentioned before, everybody, everybody on the face of the planet to say yes to Jesus. Of course, mm-hmm. we would like that. And that's our hope and, and the goal a goal through this, but but the tangible, the physical side of this work is very, very uh, measurable. And I, I would encourage people to, uh, there's a book that, that I love, and we make it required reading here at Cross International. It's called The Shrewd Samaritan. The author is uh, Bruce Whitek, Bruce Whitek, excuse me, um, social economist, uh, and uh, does a, a, a fabulous job of researching in developing countries, the factors that affect positive and negative, but primarily what are the, what are the key factors that affect positive movement forward for the world's poor? And uh, I would, again, encourage everybody to read this book. It gives a very easy-to-read kind of narrative, storyline narrative, right, in terms of it takes the, the profile of a, of a person. This person has to be a, a dentist here in the United States <laughs> that has no interest in cross-cultural and kind of has that the, the stereotypical, why would you do that? I don't want to get involved, right? And, and walks him through. He decides to say yes to a mission trip and, and goes on this mission trip thinking that he's going to go change things and, 
you know, of course, he gets changed and transformed. <laughs> yes. And, and so it profiles this person's life a little bit. And then it takes it. And then from there, it takes a deeper dive into the what, really what are the factors? What, how, how does this happen? Right. And he looks at Bruce looks at all the, the kind of the social factors, the economic factors that, that are prevalent, common in developing countries that we deal with. But one of the questions that came out, and I love it, is, you know, does faith matter? Does that have an impact in terms of the value? The, the section is titled The Value of Faith-Based Interventions. For those of you that want to know the, uh, the segment of the book, page 140, I think. So there you go, listeners. you got to go grab that book. But let me, <laughs> let, me, let me just step back and just say, let's look at some of the—, the there's two studies that, that represent so much work all around the globe. These are just, just two studies. One of them, it really looks at, at the impact of— Chris, you and I earlier talked about the, the whole mission movement that's been going on for many, many years, right, right? hundreds right. of years, right? And do we really want to talk about that in this segment? And we said, no, let's, let's set that aside for another. But, but the, this first study looks at uh, going back into the 1500s into uh, areas, uh, a region of what's now South America. It bridges three different countries there, this, this particular region of indigenous groups. And it looks at two threads of the mission movement. One— thread from the, the Christian mission movement that was very focused on evangelism and expressing the, the, the gospel, wonderfully so, right? And another thread of mission work that, that was both, of course, was evangelism and, and sharing the gospel, but also layered in education. And in these very rural communities, they teach agricultural, basic agricultural teachings. Again, this is in the 1500s. Those communities are still in existence today. Many of them still are. And Recent studies have looked at them and said, here we are almost 500 years later. Where are these communities at? And the communities that had the, the mission focus that included education and ag training are well over 10% further down the road economically, you know, from a, just an income and an overall economic status basis, right? And you, know, you could say, well, that's just one study. Well, it is one study, but that type of outcome is, is very replicable in many places around the globe. And that's just within the Christian movement, right? So let's look at another study that was done um, about oh, six, seven years ago, two, uh, 2016. And this is in the Philippines. It looked at about six, almost 6,200 families, rural families, that were engaged in being taught economic development. So how to could be how to run a really tiny, small business. Gosh, it could be a little bakery on the street corner that you're selling your goods or, or a little sewing shop where you've got a, a, maybe a treadle pump sewing machine and, and you're making clothes for the local community. Little things like that. It could be small agricultural farms. Just That's that micro business, small business uh, development that we do in our work. And, and so this study group purposely wanted to ask the question, does Christian faith matter? And the three academics that led this. One, one person was an evangelical Christian. One person described himself as an agnostic Jew. And another person described themselves as, as an about atheist, right? So three very different perspectives on this, right? Purposefully, you know, so that they would not come with, well, not taint the outcomes with biases. They would come with their own biases, right? But right. they were good checks and balances, right? right. And they're very purposefully to do so. We're talking, you know, Yale and uh, London School of Economics and, you know, some smart people. They're doing <laughs> right? So they looked at these studies and, and they said, okay, um, let's, let's look at a, a group that was 
taught just from a basic education standpoint. So taught about financial literacy and small business development, these kind of things, and how well they did. They did well. Another group was a control group where there was no interventions whatsoever. And the third was, again, that economic group, but also taught about the values of the Bible, right, and biblical principles and the truth of of the gospel and such. And uh, out of those 6,200 families, that group were, again, from a performance measurement standpoint, right, over 9% ahead economically which doesn't sound like a big deal to you and me, but in those economies where every equivalent of the dollar counts, 10% difference is huge. It's huge, right? And so they ask the question, what, what were the attributes? Why? What made the difference? You know, this, uh, the infusing of the gospel, or what, what was it that, that really was uh, the outcome in people's lives? And they really came down to two things. That they understood that, that, that as, as people were taught that, Look, you are a child of this this creator, God, that you have value in God's eyes, that you have purpose in God's eyes for this life, right? They surmised that it really it developed this this understood sense of grit in people, right? And underlying that was what? Hope. Hope. Again, that word hope that we're, that we talked about earlier and that hope in the gospel, right? That it's not just for today, but it's for eternity also. There's a reason to live for today, for tomorrow, right? And that, that again, that greediness and that sense of hope. And that was just cool to, to, to see that. And, and I, you know, you've been out and I get a chance to, to travel much of the world and, and you see this so often, you know, God bless, you know, wonderfully good development interventions, wonderful, good stuff. But when you're able to, to do this ministry work from a Christian perspective where you're, you're sharing, you're, if, there's the words of the gospel, there's the actions of the gospels that are happening. It allows people to ask that question, why? Why? It, it, it's amazing. It really it is. is. Yeah. And I just want to end with, with a story of, of hope. And, and change because of this. And, and we, you know, our listeners don't get it, but you know, you and I, we get a chance to see us so regularly and we're so thankful. Uh, I'm going to talk about our friend, Eric. It's his English name uh, in Nicaragua and he and his, his wife and his two kids. I was not, not too long ago. I was with Eric and to hear his story. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so encouraging. This story could be me. It could be you. It could be our family. It could be our next door neighbor, Right. This is a human being who's living on this face of the planet just somewhere else. And Eric uh, was, uh, over two years ago, he was a day laborer working on somebody else's farm in rural Nicaragua, making that, you know, 80 cents to a dollar a day. Mm. And just hard work. Yeah. Wife and two very, very young kids. He had one child, second on the way at the time. But as he described his life, it was, he, was, he was bitter. He was angry, uh, drinking a lot of alcohol, you know, just stuff. Things that happen here in the United States of America. Yeah. Happen in our own families, our own friends. You know, things that are not out of the norm. Right, right. right. But when he was selected uh, into a program of one of our partners, Agros in Nicaragua, uh, a cross-international partner, that life of transformation began. And it was not only teaching Eric how to to farm a small plot of land and how to manage 
money that started to come in off of that that plot of land, but it was also teaching him from a, a Christian perspective that Eric, there's a God that created you and, and desires a relationship with you through his son, Jesus. And that, that extends not only to you, but to your family. And, and you've got a choice to make here, but you can make right. And, and to choose life, choose not life for just for today, for eternity. And I'm summarizing a lot of stuff, right? But as as he, as he tells yeah. the story, you just see this brightness on his face, right? And and how his life just a few years later has transformed in so many ways. And here's a family that, yes, tangibly, they now instead of living in essence of a horse stall, which they did a few years ago, they've got a home, small but beautiful, new cinder block home, two rooms, a bathroom, a kitchen. Right? It's beautiful compared to what they have. They got a small plot of land that they're farming and learning better farm techniques that he now owns because he's worked his, his family's worked their tail off in this piece of land Gosh. to earn, earn money. Right. And, and, and move forward. And he's, they're engaged in the church and the local community. And he, he's just so in his wife, they're both so thankful to God. This recognition of God, this recognition of Jesus in their life. Right. And they know that, that these are blessings from him. These are not just tangible resources to use up and, and move forward. They know the land was created by God. They know that their lives are because of God. They know that they've got a future because of Jesus, right? And, and this is the difference. So, I love stories like this. Isn't it true? And yeah, you know, I mean, let's, again, be real that maybe Eric and his family could have found uh, that economic opportunity somewhere else, and, and God bless them for that, right, and not have the faith element to that. But he does, and he does now have that hope. So our listeners, man, we, we hope that this this segment has been encouraging, inspiring, and, and hopefully uncovering us some new things going on inside of you. We, Chris and I, just, we hope for hope for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Some of these same things are going on in your life in terms of, you know, where am I at and what am I looking for in life and, and um, where do I find hope? You know, certainly we've got to get along economically, right? But our, our, Today, hope and our tomorrow, hope for eternity is is in Jesus, right? And that's a privilege for us to be able to participate with the lives of, of so many of the poor around the world. Uh, but for you, hey, we'd love to hear your feedback uh, on this segment or any of the segments from from our podcast. Chris, where would people reply and let us know their thoughts? Yeah, if any of you have stories to share with us uh, and you want to contact us, just email us at podcast at crossinternational.org podcast at crossinternational.org that's fabulous thank you guys we appreciate you spending time with us we get to walk this journey and you with us in in sharing god's love in so many places around the globe with people that we get a privilege to interact with and, and thank you for walking the journey with us god bless you god bless if you'd like to learn more about cross international and make a difference in the lives of vulnerable children and their family members visit our website at crossinternational.org. See you next time at Cross the World with Kelly Miller.